All right, all right. Welcome to this, the Red Bulletin Podcast. I'm your host, Andreas Georges. Uh, we're talking to top performers in the worlds of adventure, culture, sports, uh, innovation. We're trying to understand the hurdles that they had to overcome, the skills that made them better. And, and we talk to folks in sports that probably don't come across your radar screen too often. Today, we've got one such figure. His name is David Kulturi, and he is... A cliff diver. Uh, he started out as a platform diver in college, was a national champion uh, before transitioning to a uh, hilarious stint at, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but like the Indiana State Beach Amusement Park where he was part of the part of the amusement for Midwestern families uh, on hot summer days. He would jump uh, from precariously high uh, diving boards into uh, not a tiny tub of water like in the cartoons like into a pool but uh uh he he uh he learned a bit there he learned a bit about showmanship he learned a bit about uh diving from those heights and that um did well for him when he transitioned to the red bull cliff diving series which we'll talk a little bit about um it's a it's an interesting chat it's all about uh controlling your fear it's all about what we can learn from a guy who spends his time standing at the edge of boards looking down or at the edge of cliffs looking down at the water below and trying to harness those emotions in a in a positive direction uh and it's also quite funny uh you know being a cliff diver how do you earn your money you know (laughs) how do you how do you subsist so um he had some good stories around that and uh yeah why don't you uh take a listen David Kulturi, you only did your first cliff dive at the age of 21, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Where was it? It was at, and, and you know, the definition of cliff dive is a little tough to to pinpoint exactly, but it was at an amusement park okay. in uh, rural Indiana at Indiana Beach Amusement Park and Resorts. Okay. Yeah, it was... Uh, was it was set the scene. It, well, it was, uh, it was the end of our college career, me and a teammate, uh, didn't really know what we wanted to do for the summer besides goof off and have fun. Yeah. And so the uh, the idea of getting paid 50 bucks a day to go jump off a few things and light ourselves on fire and entertain a crowd was was pretty amusing. Okay. And so we go to this this resort which is oh my gosh, it's hilarious. Like <laughs> people watching at this place is just gold. I mean, we're talking like grandmas in wheelchairs with like colored hair and cigarette packs in both their bikini tops and yeah. uh, just just well the it's best. a lot easier to get access to if they're in both parts of the bikini so. <laughs> exactly um but it's built the there's uh there's a lake that's a dammed up river um and uh lake lake schaefer is what it's called and um there's a the oldest running american ski show in the nation is is at this park since like the 1950s they've had amazing water stunt and ski shows and back in the 50s i mean this park was was the bee's knees like they had janice joplin there jefferson airplane like the huge performances when when amusement parks and water parks first came out and were big um and then through the years and over the decades it kind of like declined a little it's in rural indiana nobody goes there it became like a budget family theme park and now it's just kind of falling apart people there's there's new owners that are putting money into it and, and it's getting a lot better um, but when we were working there, it was kind of like, I mean, pieces off the roller coasters were pinging off and like, it was, it was just hilarious. And, and it was our introduction to high diving and me and my buddy worked there for, for two summers. Cause and, you had, you were the U S diving champ on the 10 meter platform, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was back in 2009. Right. Yeah. So you had done for the rest of us incredibly high diving cause that <laughs> 10 meter platform is absolutely no joke. Um, but how different was this? This was very different. I mean, it was it was a show first of all. So the pressure of competition isn't there at all. It's it's really just for fun. Um, you're with your buddies and you're you're kind of goofing around. It, it, the world of show diving can be very choreographed and um, very segmented and professional. Like if we're talking Cirque du Soleil or Royal Caribbean or there's one called House of Dancing Waters in Macau. These are like the top of the line world performers. Um, but this is this is like a carnival show that's just like it's 15 minutes of stunts. Go out there, do whatever you want, and, and have a bunch of fun. Um, but the biggest difference is, I mean, we went we went from 10 meters to 20 meters in one jump. Whoa! And it's it's one ladder straight up, 
it's and it's actually like five different pieces of steel. The like the handles kind of switch in and out on you, and and halfway up, I mean, you're like death gripping this thing because the the deck below you, like if you do fall, you're not directly over water. So if you fall, it's it's not a not a good ending. Um, and once you get up there, it's moving a little bit, and there's not a lot of place to stand. And I mean, honestly, those first two years that we worked at this place, it's like heart pounding out of your chest, so nervous you can barely get off that thing. Um, but we, we loved it. I mean, the, the thrill of getting up there, flying through the air and, and just performing and having fun and getting paid a little bit to avoid a a nine to five real job was, was pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. And did, did the crowd appreciate, could you even hear the crowd? Could you see the crowd? I mean, you're basically, you're 20 meters up, which is double a 10 meter platform, which is already high. Let's see 20 meters. What is that about? Uh, it's 66 feet or something like that? Was that like yeah. three feet to mm-hmm. three feet to a meter, roughly? Yeah, exactly. 3.28 feet to a meter. So you're jumping off of almost a seven-story building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can definitely hear the crowd. Um, when you're climbing up there, people are, are cheering and stuff. It's it's a weird mixture of people being like super impressed and filled with awe and people yelling stuff like, belly flop! Or <laughs> 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 like... Or sometimes, like, we would perform in board shorts, but um, a lot of times we would practice when we started, like, training for Red Bull cliff diving. We started practicing in Speedos, because it's, like, the official right. gear of diving. Right. And you'd start climbing the ladder, and they'd be like, jump off, you queer! Or, like, <laughs> like the, most, the most obnoxious and just, like, insulting things coming from these like 12 year olds and you're just like dude come on. i'm scared and then he looked at you realized it's here. actually like the two pack a day grandma who's like wheezing it <laughs> hey get off you queer job <laughs> oh my god so so okay so so uh does that affect your performance or how at, at first it would be a little bit yeah you'd be like what is, did that kid really just call me a queer yeah um but no it, it's it's, it's like the 80s. They're like completely <laughs> trapped in the 80s. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, and, you know, people always ask, even even to this day, like the atmosphere of a Red Bull cliff diving competition is is much more like a party than it is uh, like a, a normal diving event. Intense yeah. competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's music and people are hanging out, having a good time. And um, people say, what distracts you? What's going on through your head? Does this or that? And And honestly, when you're up on these platforms and so high, none of that goes through your head. It's it's literally so gripping and the potential consequences are so high. You're so focused that, I mean, there could literally be a concert going on right next to you and it's it's just totally drowned out. And when you step on the edge and you're about to go, like, it all disappears. It's just you, the cliff, the platform, and the water. And it's uh, it's a pretty magical moment each time and i want to i want to talk about that process that you go to when you're at the edge of that uh, a little bit later but you know was this something that always felt comfortable to you being up high when you were you know when you were a kid i mean we all kind of dare each other to jump off the five meter then the eight meter and then you know when we're truly ballsy the 10 meter yeah definitely i mean it wasn't it wasn't just like i loved every second of it going up higher and higher each time i mean any kid who goes through the sport of diving and works their way up from the one to the three meter, the springboards, and then you start getting on platform, and there's five meter, seven meter, and then ten meter. It's it's not like you just go up and you start chucking dives every every time, and it's easy and it's not painful. I mean, you're gonna smack, it's gonna be scary, um, but I was a little more adventurous than most. I mean, the the group of just the ten meter divers in traditional springboard and platform diving is a select group of all divers. Most people do one meter and three meter springboard, but then there's kind of the the group that takes it up even higher and does platform. I mean, is there personality traits that this group has that are different or is it a little bit? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you kind of, any, any high diver, cliff diver, 10 meter diver gets painted as a, as like an adrenaline junkie or a, a rush kind of guy. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's more, it's more about just being able to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation and push through and, and fight the fear and, and go out and be able to, to do that thing that seems so impossible or so scary in your head. And then time and time again, gradual exposure gets easier each time. And it must give you amazing, an amazing amount of perspective as well, you know, <laughs> on, on regular everyday life stuff. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Northwest Ohio. Okay. Um, yeah, I was actually born in Ann Arbor, um, but we moved to Sylvania, Ohio when I was about one year old. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was the, the Midwest suburbial 
kind of super fun yeah. childhood growing up. I, I had three older siblings. I kind of followed in the footsteps of theirs, trying every sport growing up huh. in the summers. It was golf super early, swimming and diving later in the morning, tennis, then baseball. Okay. Did soccer and cross country, tried football, basketball. It was a little too small for that stuff. Um, so eventually I kind of committed to full round, full year swimming and diving by the age of uh, nine. And then um, by the age of 11, I was traveling an hour each way to go to, up to Eastern Michigan University and train with my club team at the time. Interesting. Five days a week, three to four hour practices, hour each way. I mean, what a commitment by my parents just getting me up there. And were you excited by that? Or was it, was it did it become kind of dreary after a while? No. That's, I, that's I, a lot to do. It is a lot, yeah. um, and and it definitely is a is a huge part of your social and just just your world at that age. Um, it was cool because you kind of you kind of get your your school and your home life, and then you get your diving life. And when you make it to the national level in diving at a young age, it's small enough that you see the same kids year in and year out. Um, so I still have best friends to stay my roommate and and fellow cliff diver Kyle Mitrione I met when I was probably 10 years old and he lives in New, he grew up in New Jersey and I had friends that grew up in Florida or California and you get to see those kids and develop these relationships multiple times throughout the year and you're all getting to travel and compete in the sport that you love and and it's it's definitely a cool a cool thing but it is such a commitment and it can be draining um I definitely I, I almost quit the sport when I was in high school um freshman year starting to rebel a little bit, clashing heads with my coach and my parents and um, just trying to be cool Dave for everybody and, you know, getting caught up in whatever high school kids do. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be it can be tough at times, but push through and really glad I stuck with it. And now now I get to make a living doing what I love, which is unbelievable at times, which is crazy. And, and you, you know, <clears throat> as a diver, I can imagine when you're college when you're applying to colleges, being a diver just is a benefit, right? Because if you're, you know, if you're a football player, it's a hell of a lot more competition for that scholarship. Whereas uh, you attended Purdue, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and did they have like a, a quite a good diving program? Was that something that you were really, you know, that you made the decision because of that? They did. Um, they had one of the best the best programs, and they still do. Um, and when you're coming out of high school, I think if you're being recruited for any NCAA sport, it's, it's definitely a different application process. Um, and the schools recruit you straight out of the summer of your junior year. You start visiting schools. Um, the applications almost, almost take a backseat to the recruiting process, bring you out for a whole weekend, show you the campus, talk to the coaches, talk to the academic advisors, the programs that you're interested in. And if you're at a certain level, you kind of have your own pick. Which which is pretty cool. Um, which is the level you were at then? It, I was at that time. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty great. And did you already do start doing ten meter back then, or was this something you had? I had. Yeah. The, you start. You're allowed to compete from the ten meter at 14 years old. 13 and under, you stick to seven meter and under. Okay. Um, by 14, you're technically allowed in the sport of, of USA diving and international diving, you're allowed to compete at that. I level. wonder what happens between thirteen and fourteen that you're like better equipped to handle that. I don't <laughs> it's physiologically it's more, yeah, or something. A, a growth thing. I mean it's hard to put a, a strict number on it. And there yeah. are kids that, that develop at a, a much younger age and are, are incredible at a younger age. I think there was a a girl from Malaysia or something that at an international world championships was like thirteen or fourteen. She's just killing it at the, at the top of the game yeah i mean i i think about the uh ski jumpers right like ski jumpers start when they're six seven years old yeah because that's what you need you need to be fearless and you mm -hmm. are completely unaware of consequences when you're six or seven years old yeah and that helps you know but i can't imagine being i don't know i i guess all of us struggle with and this is probably what we'll get get into a little bit later but i mean all of us struggle with that um that height thing I think, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, when you're at the pool, the 10 meter is just so much higher up, it feels than, than everything else. Um, for you, was it just a, a progression? You started lower, you went a bit higher then after that you went a bit higher. Definitely. Yeah. And, and that's how, that's how it goes for everybody. And, and even in the world of cliff diving, that's, that's still the way to go. And it can look so daunting and, and so impossible in so many ways, but, but it really is a, a step-by-step -step calculated science to it. And, and again, like when people paint us out to be 
like adrenaline guys, it's not, we're not really just going up there and hucking it off, you know, with, with throwing caution to the wind. It's like you, you went through the steps from the side of the pool, ground flips in onto mats in the dryland area, one meter, three meter, five meter, seven, 10, all the way up and, and going rotation by rotation, step by step until you, you know that you, and you have to, otherwise that's, that's where accidents can be made and the margin of error is so small. You have to have done all the prep physically and mentally to get up that high and, and do these complicated maneuvers safely and successfully each time. Do you remember your first 10 meter successful 10 meter dive? Hmm. Not as much as I remember my first painful one. Okay. Um, <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> um, there's a couple, when I was a kid, there was definitely a couple, um, stinging memories of smacking from, from the platform. The first one, I didn't, I didn't have a platform at that first pool I grew up when I was in Sylvania. Um, and I went to diving camp in Fort Lauderdale, Florida and learned a tower list in like two weeks. Learned, and, sorry, what was it? Tower, tower platform. Okay. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was set to compete at Zones in Buffalo, New York, like maybe a month or two later. Zones? Uh, <laughs> there's three steps to qualify for nationals. Got it. Thank so you. So regionals first, then zones, then nationals. Dig it. Okay, thank you. And so, yes. I need some live translation. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> so I'm at, I'm at Buffalo Zones. I think I'm 11 years old. And I'm going to do my first handstand dive. And you got to kick up, hold the handstand, and then fall off. And you're allowed one balk, what they say in diving, whereas if you start and then stop. So I went up, kicked up, fell back down. That's a balk, two, two points off each judge's score. If you do a second balk, it's a failed dive. And so I'm a little bit shaken up, but I'm like, all right, you got this. And so I kick up again, and I'm about to fall backwards. So I actually start walking on my hands backwards on the seven meter. And I'm like, I think I can get this. I walk towards the end, and I'm about to go, but one of my hands slips off the tower. And I do this like cartwheel, start flailing through the air, looking up at the tower, and then I just land flat on my back. And I don't think it was so much the the pain. It, it does sting for, for a good couple minutes or whatever. But I think for most kids, it's you're just so embarrassed. And I just like run out of the pool. It was my last dive. I get my stuff and like crying out in the hallway or whatever. My mom comes to console me. And it's 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 just one of those. Were you winded? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I... Up to the ten meter, it can be really bad. I mean, you can you can puncture a lung, you can get super bad bruising, but it's not so much the pain; it's just the idea of the smack. I think that gets most people. Interesting, the psychology of it, rather mm-hmm. than the actual. Like mm-hmm. if they actually experienced it, it wouldn't be nearly as traumatic as yeah, they and, built it up to be. Yeah, and every time, I mean, you talk you talk to anybody who smacked a couple, literally like ten minutes later, you're like, oh yeah, it stings a little bit, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the fear can be so gripping. I mean, mental blocks in diving are, are insane. You'll stand on the end of the board for for minutes just frozen in fear, and you can't get off. And, and it's, a, it's a really big challenge in the sport. When, when did you first, and, and you had to push through it at a young age already. Yeah. So I, what, what tricks did you develop to, to overcoming that? Thankfully, I never, I never got to one that was so bad for months and months on end that you just couldn't do a dive. It's, it's usually like a certain category that like there's front, back, reverse, and where there's one group that you're so afraid of that you're just, you can't get it off. Um, and I never really had to deal with that in, in one certain thing that got so monumental for me. But it does happen, and and going through the dives and learning harder ones and bigger ones from certain heights. You, there's plenty of times you walk to the end, you're going to go, and then you walk back, and you're scared, and you got to get back down, do more lead ups. It's 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 more about doing the prep. You got to do the the dive minus a rotation or something from a lower level. So if you're going to go up and do a back two and a half, you want to have a dive down, a somersault, a one and a half, and a double before you go up for the two and a half. Okay. And so you, you want to actually you actually do those before you each time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Each each progression going up. Um, and so you work on the physical actual movements. And then I think more than anything for diving and especially in cliff diving, it's it's all mental. I mean, you you know, you can do these physical maneuvers and there's so many talented platform divers. But to actually have the mental fortitude to go up there and be confident and and tell yourself that you can do these things and actually jump off that's that's the mental part of the sport that that most people really struggle with on an elite level what would you say those very top divers have that that the other ones don't 
I think it's just unwavering confidence and and training. I mean, it's you can't you can't replicate actual practice, mental practice of visualizing the dive, calming yourself down, um, modeling it, going it through your head millions of times. Um, and I think those guys just have have that li- something a little extra. You know, like when you're in the zone in any sport, those guys just it clicks for them. And and they have they have an edge, and it's it's something that every athlete in every sport tries to tries to emulate and tries to get as many times as they can. Do you have you gotten better at it? Definitely, okay. yeah. Over the years, um, it's something that thankfully we got to focus on at a at a young age in diving. Um, my collegiate coach was really big on it, um, and throughout the years of cliff diving, I think the first step in cliff diving is just getting comfortable with the height because it's just so high and the fear is so immense. But after that, it's now that you're comfortable on the platform, how do you get in the zone time and time again? And what steps do you need to take in different environmental factors, different times of the year, um, different locations? What can you do? What can you control to be able to go up there and perform at your best and your highest level each time? I imagine you have to also guard against uh, complacency. Definitely. Because yeah. it becomes, I mean, routine such a hard, it's, it's not a, it's not, it wouldn't be routine to the rest of us, but all of us do things regularly on a daily basis or on a weekly basis as part mm-hmm. of our job that, that we just know how to do after a while intrinsically. Um, you have to be careful about guarding against that, I imagine. Definitely. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, to be able to keep pushing yourself and, and, Doing more, working harder every day is is a real challenge. And and one of the unique things about cliff diving is that in its official state as a sport, it's so young that we we don't have teams, we don't have coaches, we don't have facilities. This is like it's really an individual sport from start to finish in every aspect. And so you have to be your own motivator, you have to be your own trainer, you have to be your own coach, um, you have to be your own program developer. You have to be your own agent in a sense and and make a living 12 years, 12 months out of the year when right. you only compete for maybe half of it. Right. Um, so it's it's definitely a challenge to fight complacency and, and keep pushing. And if you want to be at the top, you got to work harder than everybody else and you got to be ready to handle everything that comes with that. So when you're at the Indiana State Beach Amusement Park, uh, amusing motorized grandmas and <laughs> disrespectful children uh did you uh you were at the t- you were 20 meters up there did you then think okay this is something i'd like to continue or did you really see it as just kind of like this finite this is just a summer gig you the f- know the first year it was just a summer gig uh-huh. and then the the guy that i was doing with kyle mitrione who i live with now and um was also on my team at purdue and there was a guy ahead of us who actually got the job for us steven labu also a purdue diver kind of crazy that of the four u.s cliff divers three of us went to purdue within four years of each other that's bizarre yeah um but steve steve took the first step in show diving he got me and kyle involved he went off to china lived there for a year doing shows then he lived on a cruise ship in the Caribbean doing shows. Me and Kyle did the shows at Indiana Beach for two years. And even still at that point, we really didn't know much about Red Bull cliff diving. Right. Um, And it was pretty young. I mean, the series officially started in 2009, and it's steadily grown over the years. But it was kind of in that second year of us at the park and Steve on the ship that we found out about this, and we're like, we we could maybe do this. This could be a real thing. Are the heights similar, by the way? Still another seven meters up. So Ah. Kyle and I are going from 20 and the Red Bull competition is is at twenty seven, and you may think, all right, if you're already twenty meters off the ground, what's another seven? It's it's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. Um, Let's see, what is that? We're doing math again. What would that be? Twenty one feet? Yeah, two story. Another, it's another mm-hmm. two story building. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. So you're getting you're getting up to almost ninety feet now, um, and you also have to do harder dives if you're going to be competitive at that level. Um, so the second year at Indiana Beach, Kyle and I went back to the Purdue pool in between sessions, started training more for it, getting an idea of what dives we wanted to do, getting the technique down and pushing harder. Um, And eventually we ended up 
applying for the qualification competition. Um, and we all started competing back in 2011, 2012. And now it's, I can't believe it's going to be my sixth year yeah. on the series. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it, And it's also, it's, so previous to that, uh, per, Purdue is in Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. So not a lot of cliffs there, right? No. What did you... What did you think about when you thought about cliffs and cliff diving? Did you, I mean, was that, was that even a kind of a, a an image to you or a, or a, or a, was there any history? Cause I, whenever I think of that, I always think about like Acapulco and those guys throwing themselves off cliffs there. Exactly. Yeah. And the sport, the sport does have a, a pretty interesting, rich, rich history and, and cool kind of story to it, which we can get into a little bit more later. Um, but for me, jumping off natural stuff like that was really just a fun thing that you do on vacation. If, if you find something here or there, um, we went to Acapulco when, when, uh, when I was younger as a family vacation, I saw you did. It. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I didn't know anyone did that. That's amazing. All <laughs> People right. Do it. That's great. All right. Still. <laughs> and just traveling around, if you're at a lake or, um, a river somewhere and you find a rock and it looks safe or you kind of test it out, it's, it's just something that you do as like a, a trick or, or something fun. Right. It was more, it was honestly more when I was younger and you get into the serious, springboard and platform sport when I'm in high school and college and, and you just kind of don't do those things as much anymore. Sometimes I feel like so many kids in so many sports lose the the fun element of it. And that's that's what I love about cliff diving. That's what I try to push to so many younger divers and, and bring the sport back to other people. Yeah. Um, but now it's like everywhere I go, I'm I'm looking at buildings and bridges and cliffs and how do I how do we jump everything that we possibly can? How do we get the shot? How do we make it look cool? What's the what's the most fun way to to approach this, um, and it's it's really changed my thinking of not only the locations that we go to, but the sport that I get to enjoy, um, and it's 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 a really really cool side of it. So when you when you tried out, well, was it a wild card? It was a wild card in two thousand eleven, right? When you were in Boston, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you prepare for something like that? How do you prepare for going from twenty meters to twenty seven meters? How do you how do you get there mentally steve steve was on the series full-time that year kyle was a wild card and i i wasn't even on the scene yet they they went oh you were just like you're an invite yeah i was and like they literally nobody knew who i was or i I was even really training for this steve and kyle went to the qualifier early 2011 very unprepared actually they they like kind of beefed up their resume a little bit more than than was actual um and they went out to australia for the qualifier, Steve goes flying over on one dive, bruises his tailbone, can't sit down on the airplane home. Kyle, like they're both terrified up there, but they they make it. And Steve Steve's first year on the series was was uh, nerve wracking and overwhelming to say the least. And Kyle's experiences were definitely scary and stuff. I mean, anybody that gets into the sport early on, it's going to be pretty terrifying. Is it really? Oh, absolutely. Be- because you're not prepared for it. Yeah, and and you just don't have the experience. I mean, when you step up. 90 feet above the water that fight or flight response kicks in and you're you're just overwhelmed in a sense i mean your heart's going so fast and the potential consequences are running through your head it's it's really hard to control but so anyway steve's steve's on the series full-time kyle goes to a couple and the the, the series is going to stop in boston and i'm literally just going to come out and watch and get some experience because i'm thinking like all right 2012 i'm going to apply and get on this thing and slowly get into it and so I email a couple of the organizers, the sport director, and I'm like, hey, my name's Dave. Here's a quick video of what I've been working on. I, I really want to try this in the future. Do you think I could get up on the platform and maybe do a few practice dives? Would that be cool? And they email me back and they're like, well, it's not really how we do it. We don't really let anybody jump off these things without a lot of preparation and, and foresight. And we really want to check you out make sure you're going to be safe. But your videos look good. And you have diving background experience, so we could probably give you a shot. And so I do a couple dives in the practice rounds. And then one of the divers actually pulls out of the competition after the first round. And so they let me come to the meeting that night. They're like, hey, Dave, if you want to compete tomorrow, go for it, man. That's amazing. I was stoked. So how was, hang on, how was the first, how were the first dives off that platform? Oh, dude, it's (laughs) <laughs> what did what did you insane. do? Like, how did you how did you overcome that? It was something that I made it a huge priority. It was a goal of mine to do this. I really wanted to be a part of this. I thought it was super cool. I mean, walking out on that platform, 
you're on the Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston. You're you're along the skyline into the river. There's tens of thousands of people. You, I mean, you feel like a rock star up there, which which coming from traditional springboard and platform diving, like at big competitions, it's cool. There's a stadium full of people and stuff, but it's very, it's very like almost golf-like, quiet on the tee, very prim and proper, um, almost a little stagnant at times. And at, at a Red Bull competition, it's a party. I mean, people are out in boats, playing loud music. Your friends and family are down there having a good time. It's it's such a cool, energizing atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just I fell in love with it from the beginning. I mean, those first couple dives, that first experience on the platform, being in the competition, being with these guys who I I, I didn't idolize at a, long, a young age because I didn't know them, but just finding out about the series and and learning about the legend Orlando Duque has been so dominant for such a long time. Gary Hunt, who's pushing the sport in new directions. Artem Silchenko, this Russian stoic monster and all these guys just, I get to hang out with them and I'm, I'm now their friend and competitor. It's such a cool thing. And I, I, I really couldn't believe that this was, this was my shot. I got to experience it and try it out. And now after Boston, I mean, I'm full steam ahead trying to make the team. And do you remember your first dive, um, your first competitive dive at Boston? What, which, oh, what did you do? Absolutely, it was uh, it was a front double half, a pretty pretty simple dive. So the, front double somersault and with a half twist. And we should say also, you don't enter the water head first, which is really interesting and very atypical, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this would be considered like really bad form in an official like 10 meter diving competition yeah yeah, yeah. but and, but in in cliff diving it's absolutely vital that you enter feet feet first absolutely because yeah. because of the force of impact so yeah. what would it do to your shoulder would you uh, were you to to dive headfirst into it you you would just get torn apart i mean you could maybe do it successfully and safely a couple times right but time and time again from that height your your wrists your elbows your shoulders your upper body muscles if you hit at a little bit of an angle i mean tendons muscles they'll they'll just tear apart because what speed are you hitting the water at from 27 meters you're going almost 60 miles an hour when you hit okay and that takes that takes three seconds from 90 feet to water and in one second eternity it can't it feel, must like, feel it. like an eternity. That's insane. <laughs> the deceleration force is 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 so crazy. You go in one second and about fourteen feet of water. You go from sixty to zero, and it's just an immediate halt. Right. And and that's why we go in feet first. Right. And even right. still, so you can get jacked pretty hard. Even at a, a perfect entry, completely vertical. The, the water goes right in between your legs and tries to split you apart. You're, you can get scorpion where your leg comes back and hits you in the head. Yikes. Pulls out to the side. If you're just a little short of vertical, the water gets you in the chin. It's, it's really common for guys to get knocked unconscious in the water. It's like a punch. Yeah. It's like a heavyweight punch. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so it's a, lot of, it's a lot of flexibility that you emphasize. It's a lot of core work, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. What, yeah are you, what are you paying attention to physically on a, um, on a 27-meter platform that you maybe didn't before? It's still a lot of the same muscle groups okay. in diving. You want, you want strong, explosive lower body muscles and a really solid core. And those are the things that are going to help you in cliff diving as well. And the, the technicalities of the sport are very similar. I mean, from takeoff, flight path, everything's almost identical. It's really just the height and the entry being feet first is, is the main difference. Okay. Um, but there's, there's little muscle groups. I mean, your adductors, your groin muscles are, are one that's very commonly injured in cliff diving. Um, you have to pay attention a little bit more. Um, and just, just making it through a whole season of cliff diving is, is a little bit more attention and, and hard work and and just really being smart about it and you're older i mean it's you get into the sport later now that the sport is becoming more popular and kids are getting introduced to it at a younger age it's it's becoming more common for kids to come in at a younger age but most of these guys i mean the the average age on tour is probably 30 31 years old right um and to make it through a whole season healthy is a tough thing and not a lot of guys actually do it we a lot of us are are fighting injuries throughout the season right right so 2011 they liked you they Mm -hmm. liked your dives right and uh and you were you felt buoyed by it probably right oh and i just imagine you were just describing the atmosphere at the red bull cliff diving series how how does it compare to the indiana beach state amusement park (laughs) a little a little bit of the same i mean it's still still kind of like a show right um but it's it's much more official. Were you guys like the main attraction there? At, Who were you competing against? 
at, at the Indiana end of, Beach. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. I'm so sorry to keep trying, <laughs> but I just your description at the beginning, like I can't stop thinking about the people it's, there. I mean, we we are the show, the, and it's it's not just diving. It's it's water ski, wakeboard, stand up jet, boats, and divers. So, but compared to the water ski guys, I mean, you're actually the, doing the high dive is serious. definitely the one that gets like most of the attention. I mean, it's this giant structure that's just sitting right. out of the water. Did um, you do something called a Russian swing? I did. What is that? It's a swinging pendulum platform that guys, if you think of a flat plat- platform that's up off the ground a little bit, and there's four bars that go up to a point, right. and it swings back and forth. Uh-huh. There's a pusher on one end and the diver on the other. So you go back and forth like a, yep. almost like a teeter-totter that's swinging. Okay. And then at the end, when, once it gets high enough, the diver launches off the other side. It's okay. a very common uh, acrobatic showpiece. Okay. And is it challenging at all, or it is? It's, it's just a ti- timing thing. It's a timing thing, um, and you just have to practice it and be safe. It's a heavy metal swing, so you can fall off, and if you get hit by it, it's obviously no good. Yeah, um, but it's a lot of fun, and yeah. you can you can get boosted. I mean, the big swings with multiple pushers, guys are going really high, doing wow. big tricks, which is which is pretty cool. Okay, but not as high as the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series. So, uh, <laughs> 2012, you you apply and you get in. And that's your first full season. First full season. And you're traveling. This is the interesting thing about cliff diving. It's as much, obviously, it's it's a young sport. And so it has to be as um, marketable as possible. And, of course, we're talking about Red Bull, a company that's very adept at marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so-called niche or obscure sports like this. Um, and they they look for really picturesque locations. Absolutely. So where did you travel the first year? The first year. That you'd never been to before. The very first stop was in Bonifacio, Corsica. Wow. um, Which was a a place that I had only really heard about in like movies. Um, And this this was actually a pretty crazy, hilarious story. We have have time for a quick one? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm coming off a super high. I mean, I... I did the stop in Boston in 2011, and before the qualifier in 2012, I went to a, a little one-off invitational in China. Okay. Um, learned learned some new dives there. I think I just had beginner's luck these first two competitions. I, I dove out of my mind. China won the event. Then I went to Australia for the Red Bull qualifier, won the event, and you get like six months off from the qualifier until you start the series in June in Bonifacio. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I might, I might have this figured out. Like, I know I don't have a lot of experience in cliff diving, but like, I've been diving since I was five. Maybe I'm just good enough, and this is going to be a smooth, easy transition. I'm, I'm into cliff diving. Here we go. And I remember the very first competition dive in Bonifacio. I come out on the platform, which is when Bonifacio is crazy. We're on the the city wall, the fortress wall, which is like 35 meters high off the water. So you have to get rappelled down to the platform which is just sticking out of the wall. And it's not it's like not much bigger than this table. It's like a sheet of plywood is the platform. So you have like not much room. You take the harness off your shoes and you're just looking out on the Mediterranean. There's hundreds of boats. People are partying. And I got all this confidence. I'm like, this is awesome. And I go for my first dive, an easy one, front double half like I did in Boston, done hundreds of times. Shouldn't be that difficult, but I crank it way too fast. And I'm coming out flying, flailing my airs, trying to put the e-brakes on. I land over kind of on my back on my butt and uh, a little unfortunate thing in cliff diving. When you land over on your butt, like, it doesn't matter how hard you squeeze. Like, water is going right in, up there. In there. Wow. Yeah. And in this particular instance, my Speedo actually got ripped apart as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So- <laughs> Carnage on your first <laughs> official dive. That's amazing. And so it goes through. The Speedo rips. The water comes back out along with a little bit of extra. And the safety divers are with you trying to, like, make sure you're okay. I'm like, I'm okay. You guys should back up a little bit. Then you have to get towed over to the exit point. And at the exit point, this one wasn't designed very well. We had to, like, swim in, ride a wave, grab a rope, climb up, and then climb a ladder to get back up to, like, the athlete's area. But the water was really rough, and I just had this crash. I'm, like, all torn up about it. And so, like, I ride the wave in, and I miss the rope, and I get dragged along the rocks coming off. So now these, like, sharp rocks. I'm now cut on my forearms and my knees. I'm, like, bleeding, and I had a little extra from the dive. I've just got, like, 
body fluids everywhere. And I, I climb back up finally and I have to like waddle with my legs together because my speedo ripped going back up to the athletes area. And I literally just went from like cloud nine, super confident, winning the last two competitions, thinking I'm all that. And now <laughs> I'm covered in blood and poop. Yeah. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that was that was definitely a, yeah. a wake-up call to the world of cliff diving. Yeah, but you got an enema, right? Which is super he- healthy. I guess it's so. It's like colon yeah. cleansing. And with salt water, that's got to be. With salt water is doubly good. D- doubly good. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but uh, <laughs> you can do it in, where you used to live in Venice. There's a spot there or two. Um, anyway, it's supposed to really um, help you um mentally as well uh but in this case it didn't help you at all uh, no, it was no, probably it was, it was probably kind of a blow to your ego and a little your bit. self-confidence and mm-hmm. so how did mm-hmm. that second dive go the last i mean just just getting back up there wasn't easy but the rest of the competition went okay i think i ended up getting like dead last uh, or close to it okay um but it was maybe a bit more tentative on the next couple of dives, yeah I can yeah imagine. exactly yeah, yeah okay. um but it was it was the start of a long and tough learning experience that first season yeah um and still just not not being super comfortable with the height being afraid um not confident yet and and it was just it was a process of, yeah is even even those first couple of years until i really started to calm down and and get comfortable with it and being more confident up there yeah to the point of of like actually going for it and knowing that you're going to be okay totally and and i mean you you've been cliff diving since 2012 but you've also still worked in the service industry as a bartender in Mm -hmm. 2013 2014 uh this is what happens when you put that stuff on your linkedin by the way people like myself (laughs) figure it out um how how do you see this going forward this is this is obviously you know on this podcast we talked to a lot of people who are you know, at the very top of their sport, but mm-hmm. it's not football and it's not basketball and it's not like these leagues that have a lot of money and a lot of kind of, um, you know, marketing and attention around them. And so it's very much about kind of finding your own way, like you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. How do you how do you balance that? How's the psychology of that? You know, I think we all of us are, you know, when we're really good at something, we want to do that full time. Mm-hmm. And um, especially if it's something as risky as what you're doing, yet... Um, you're f- forced to do, you know, kind of like regular jobs, like totally. the rest of us, just to make that dream happen. How do you how do you balance that, like it's, from a psychological perspective? It's definitely tough. I mean, uh, the the very first year on tour before I even moved to Chicago, I was working in a, in a research lab as a lab technician in uh, in Michigan. I was a bartender and a server, a substitute teacher. I've always been a diving coach on the side. Um, even now I'm still working, I'm working part-time for my roommate's online company, just like data entry, trying to, trying to get a little, little extra to pay the bills on the side. It's, it's, it's tough. And I think any athlete in any non-mainstream sport can relate to that. It's also a really cool thing though, because any of us in these sports, you're getting to do what you love. I mean, we're passionate about it. This is what we want to do. And you at least get to make some type of a living out of this. So the, the goal is obviously how do you make this a full-time career? Um, and how do you, how do you succeed at it and, and do it year round? And so now the further I get into cliff diving and the more avenues I see opening up, there's a lot of opportunities that, that I get to explore and, and push for. Um, so we're looking into starting cliff diving at a grassroots level. How do we get kids interested at a younger age? So we're going to start looking at organizing kids camps, bringing people in, teaching them the basics and the safety and, and maybe even organize a few competitions for younger kids from lower heights, but do the feet first entry. So those kids that are always terrified of the 10 meter, get them up there, do feet first stuff and have a competition like that um, and get them, get them started younger. Um, I've done a few public speaking engagements, just talking about my experiences, um, what is cliff diving, what it's been like, and how can I relate that to other people? At first, it's just been divers. And how do you transition in the sport? What can it be like? But I mean, I think these elements of cliff diving and learning how to handle fear, perform under pressure, this could be related to people in all aspects, business, professionally, any sport. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. How do you how did you how do you see what you do at the edge of that platform, your process to get mm-hmm. ready to go down? How do you see that applicable to those of us who don't dive from 27 meters. I think the elements, the basic elements of it are are similar to any big challenge that anybody faces in every aspect. I mean, it's something that's scary. It's something that can be controlling. 
It's something that you want to conquer, but you just don't really know how. And it has very real, very um, physiological responses, faster heart rate, um, rapid thoughts you can't really control. Um, And that has serious consequences, whether it's a a fear of uh, public speaking or talking to significant others, sharing your emotions, um, performing at a business meeting, anything like that. Those those have very similar elements to it. Um, So the process of handling that and conquering it, of preparing, in my sense, physically doing preps of somersaults from lower levels and stuff isn't what you're going to do before going into a a boardroom or a talk, but doing that prep, doing the physical prep of taking notes, being prepared. um, What do I need to plan? What do I need to know going into this? And then the mental prep, I think, is something that everybody can relate to, uh, visualizing and relaxing and going through your head. What do I really need to do? What can I control to succeed at this challenge? Um, that do you think of the worst case scenario as well? No, you don't. You don't want you to. You don't. You yeah. always think of the best case. Yeah, I think. Mm. I think the worst case scenario. That's part of the fear. That's what's going to happen. Right. And that still happens to me. I mean, when I'm visualizing a dive in my head, if I'm having a rough day or I'm not on top of my mental game, I'll picture a dive in my head and just somehow I, I imagine myself smacking it at the end. I'm like, yeah. why did? Why did I like? I'm controlling what my thoughts are. I'm visualizing this dive. Why did I just see myself eat eat it? Yeah. And so I think that's what happens to people in everyday life. Sure. Before you go on a date or before you go into a boardroom or before you do any challenge that you're a little bit afraid of, you think of in your head like, oh, man, this is, this is going to go so wrong. Murphy's Law, whatever it is, like something's going to go wrong here. And so being able to combat that and being able to prepare mentally and physically is something that I think everybody can relate to and everybody could use help with and everybody wants to know how, how to defeat their demons and their challenges right right so where do you see it going for you i mean this is what you're doing is because because cliff diving is it's fantastic it's really i should say this it's like you know red bull does a lot of things in a lot of different sports but cliff diving is is an incredible i mean it's on red bull tv the series um it's it's an incredibly uh, visceral exciting presentation of the sport and it's it's a sport that's very elemental and basic right it appeals mm-hmm. to like the very you know the base fears and instincts that we have in all of us you know um so there's definitely there's something there but how do you how do you see the sport growing it's i i see it twofold i i see the sport growing in a professional sense and you and you're right the the sport itself is is so captivating and so cool, and the locations I think add a huge Crazy. element to it. Most star um, in in is was that Bosnia, Bosnia. Mm-hmm. where you jump off the the bridge that was unfortunately there. destroyed, but then rebuilt yeah. again, mm-hmm. like this beautiful ancient bridge. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know what you're like uh, Denmark? Uh, don't they dive off of the the Opera House? Uh, the Opera in House, incredible, incredible. It's it's such a cool mix of urban places like Boston, the Institute of Contemporary Art, Copenhagen, the Opera House. Um, there's more natural locations like in Portugal, the Azores islands, in the middle of the Atlantic, we dive off of a, a caldera, which is a, like a volcano that caved in on itself. This is one of the few locations we actually dive from the rocks for a few dives. There's not wow. a platform set up, um, bridges, castles, buildings, cliffs, waterfalls. There's, there's so many cool elements to highlight that just really show the, the natural and the man-made beauty around the around the planet that's that's such a cool backdrop and venue for the sport right. which is really cool that you get to incorporate that into a professional competitive setting that's right yeah yeah and and so red bull really put cliff diving on the official sportive map back yeah. in 99 they had the first off the rocks competitions through the early 2000s they had a couple things took a short break and then the series started officially in 2009 and just in the past 8 years the sport has grown tremendously um, and it's influencing, I mean, it really was only done by Red Bull for a long time. There's a few other small organizers. But now FINA, the international aquatics governing body for sports like traditional swimming and diving, water polo, um, synchronized swimming, those, those official aquatic Olympic sports, is very interested in high diving. And we've already come on the, the international circuit having a world championships and a world cup. And we, we're really close to being an official Olympic sport. So we were hoping for 2020 in Tokyo, not quite, maybe exhibition, maybe 2024, but it looks like it's going to get there eventually. Huh. The sport has some 
some organizational and bureaucratic challenges and and really we need more divers from more countries um some some things to challenge but it's getting there it's growing and that's going to be huge for the sport to get more organizers bigger stages more sponsors it's it's going to be great olympic for everybody. recognition as absolutely well. it's yeah, going to be huge okay. but the other side of it that i see it going and this kind of happened with like skateboarding and snowboarding is more of the freestyle side of the sport to progress um, and this is something that that me and the other U.S. divers have have really taken on the last two years of kind of pushing the fun freestyle, going out, doing your own thing, finding places, having fun with your buddies element of the sport. Um, and we we created like a, a docu series kind of reality thing of our of our travels, going to the competitions. And yeah, you get a little bit of the of the official com- competitive sport, but you also get us like traveling and goofing around and. Uh, knocking on people's doors in Polgiano, Italy, and convincing some Italian family to let us like jump off their terrace into the Mediterranean, um, <laughs> and filming it. Of yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and being more creative. And we've we've done trips. Red Bull organized a trip to Indonesia where we lived on a sailboat for nine days, and and no competition, just friendly, fun exploring. Yeah, just pointing out what you want to climb and dive, and yeah. go make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and just sharing that passion and love and freestyle element of the sport with other people to where it, it it grows and expands and and can get a bigger stage which would be really cool that would be amazing and and how do you see your own progression in it uh just being a little bit at the forefront of that you know yeah, and yeah. it's 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 tough to get people to commit to it you know i mean it's it's obviously so catching at first and i think very few people would see a clip of cliff diving and be like oh whatever you know it it excites you it's it's really cool i think people can get behind it but to convince people to really commit to it to commit resources and finances and and make a full project come together for a purpose whatever that may be can be can be tough to finalize sure and so Myself and, and, and my teammates and my friends, we're, we're trying to push that. We're trying to be at the forefront of that and, and get more people involved and, and bigger names and bigger projects going. And, and one day you'll probably make a triumphant return to the shores of Lake Schaefer, the Indiana <laughs> State Beach Amusement Park, yeah, Indiana Beach State I mean, fuck, I don't know how to say it. Anyway, uh, David, thank you so much for, uh, for coming by. Um, it's been really good. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been All right. awesome. Awesome. Cool. Cliff Diver, David Colturi. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for uh, spending an hour with us. Hope you like that. Uh, if you found us, you probably found us in iTunes. Uh, you might have found us on ACAST, our pod host partner. Uh, you might have found us on redbulletin.com, which is the home for um, really strong storytelling, both in the video and the words and the images format, and also place where you can listen to these podcasts um uh and our archive this has been it shout out to first name james our engineer shout out to ryan the turbo thurban for his work on this podcast um monica unique monique morel and of course our producer the saintly t rizza see you next time <laughs>